Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. Today, we are going to get into the nitty gritty. You are going to be able to deduce, dissect, and break down the machine that is the U.S. economy. But before then, I want to hear how you're doing. Julian, how's it going? You know, it's been uh, been an interesting and strange time, to say the least, with the coronavirus and seeing some of the unemployment numbers and how it's affected different job sectors. But personally, for me, things are staying calm and smooth, and I'm thankful for that. Jordan, how are you? Dude, I'm doing good. Um, being, you know, outside of the situation, um, you know, out of the country, it's interesting to he- see and hear and read about what's going on. Um, but I think that this is one of the m- most interesting times probably in history that we are living in currently in the modern history, I would say, um, due to kind of the complexity of what's actually happening, how we got here um, and what is going to be coming. So I think that, you know, today we're going to be learning about some quite interesting things and uh, it'll be more interesting to see how, you know, this moment affects us for you know, hundreds of years, possibly. Exactly. I think it's, it's so odd right now. And, you know, everyone's caught up in, it's obviously hard to predict the future. Um, and it's easy to look at the past, but the current times, everything's moving so quickly. You're seeing a barrage of media for, um, you know, cases or mortality rate, um, different snippets here and there, employment numbers, the Fed, the economy, interest rates, student loans, everything in between. Um, and, you know, shedding some light on how people really are starting to understand the U.S. economy. It is going to make for an interesting next five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So without further ado, let's just hop into it. So just to get you guys caught up, let's uh, have almost an episode of like this previously. So previously, before Corona. (laughs) Um, So basically, just to catch you up on the market, uh, the U.S. economy has been killing it for a long time, Um, almost since the the recession in 09, um, you know, there's been steady inclines and, and strong growth. And it's been going to the point of around 2016, um, the economy was great. It was good. And then, you know, slowly but surely, it's still been going like even stronger, um, extremely low unemployment rate where it's almost, you know, you couldn't get any lower. Um, and unemployment rate is obviously able-bodied workers who are seeking work. So able-bodied workers or able-bodied people that aren't seeking work would not be counted. Um, just a preface so you can understand a little bit later how things are going to be shaking out. Um, and so with this happening, there's a few things that you want to know about kind of managing the economic U.S. system. One is that um, there's a few factors in play, right? Um, There's obviously the Fed that controls the money supply. And what their job is to do is to have, you know, low unemployment rate, stable prices. And so 
how they do that is they manage it through kind of goals of interest inflation. And so inflation, obviously, if you haven't caught up on some of our other podcasts that we've talked about it about really briefly, it's how much money is out there and how that amount of money values or devalues the currency. So the U S dollar. So going through the market, it was very, very strong. And, um, you know, what usually happens is the market will run a little hot and about the time of 2016, I think it was about ready to have a slowdown and that didn't happen because of a few things, you know, boosts in consumer confidence with the new president. Um, also with the tax credit break, that was actually pretty aggressive. It kept the economy a little hotter as well as not increasing the interest rate, um, due to the uh, Fed's choice on that end. So pretty much fast forward to 2019, probably I think September, um, you know, things were still going warm, warm, warm. Um, and I think that is actually from what I've read around the same time that the first case of the coronavirus was actually like um, somebody was first contaminated with the coronavirus around that time. And when I say coronavirus, I mean COVID-19 to be specific. Um, and then obviously through that time in Wuhan, China, things grew and then it got around. Um, and then we are seeing probably when we come to um, around September or sorry, oops, February and March when things kind of get spicy. Um, so far, how has it been, Julian? I mean, uh, I think that's a great summarization of, you know, what inflation is, how the Fed interacts, where things are at before the first diagnosis of coronavirus in a foreign country. Um, and, you know, on the on the state side, you'd see it in a couple articles. You know, I have a couple newspapers from when Kobe passed where it's just very small blurbs about COVID-19 and it is, you know, expanded in China, but, you know, based on these reports, we aren't worried about seeing it on a global scale and this, that, and a third, because no one really knew what was going on. And so, you know, people weren't prepping for what was to occur um, or preparing, being proactive. And, you know, we've transitioned to this time now, at least in the United States, where you know, most other countries were as well, but it's very reactive to something that has never happened before. And I think it's to be fair too. Um, people weren't being told to prep, um, and there was instructions and you know communication from the World Health Organization that um, the coronavirus was not a factor and it was contained in China. Um, you know, I think around late January or so around January that there was a word about that. So, um, you know, this all of a sudden became quite a big deal. Um, and, you know, like you said, Julian, um, everything that you do to kind of contain this thing is going to be reactionary. For one reason is that this virus can spread a lot quicker than policy can, um, or kind of, you know, thinking of decisions. So um, 
before you know it, you're kind of caught on your heels. And that's what happened to a lot of countries. Now, there are a few. I know we're talking about the U.S. economy, but there are a few that I want to just point out that are really cool, really good. And if you want to hear more about these countries um, or just more about coronavirus in general, I would hop on our podcast on that. But, you know, some of the countries that got hit hard by SARS originally uh, years ago, um, they handled it really well. But hopping back into the U.S., um, being that legislation is partitioned in 50 different ways, plus Puerto Rico um, and obviously, you know, different kind of territories of the U.S., uh, everything's going to be handled differently. And you got different ecosystems, different economies in each of these states. So, um, you know, it's really hard to set state regulation for something and have it be in a vacuum because you're so close to so many other things and the moving parts of that states rely on moving parts of other states. So for instance, um, you know, you can't put a full lockdown on California or let's say, how about this? You can't put a full lockdown on Texas without affecting um, other places. So if there's freight that has to go through Louisiana to Texas, to Arizona or New Mexico, um, that affects it. So, there's, you know, there's a lot more interplaying going on in the states. And I think that, you know, that's one thing to consider, but also that I think that a lot of countries, including the U.S., were a little bit slow um, to reaction just because of the lack of understanding of what we're up against um, and kind of what it would take to fully remediate a situation like this. Um, so that's what lands us in a territory of, you know, having a lot of people infected and um, kind of this thing being widespread. Now, when go and for it, Julian. The the thing you look at right is you know everyone has catching up to the coronavirus and the precautions and the right information, and the biggest success you see is uh, you know shutting down social distancing and quarantining to stop the the aggressive spread of COVID nineteen, and so in America, right. You see a lot of states go to, you know, cancel the NBA, cancel large gatherings, cancel March Madness, cancel, then go down from there from events of 500 people, then it's 250 people, then it's 10 people, etc. And, you know, people expect this to be a week or two weeks, but then you find out that this has cut everything off for now we're almost a month in, three weeks in, and it's going to be another month. Once no one's outside and no one's going to restaurants because they're closed, barber shops, um, a lot of those service-based industries, those close down and people lose jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, perfect, actually, handoff because I was literally just about to jump into the economics and why why we're in dire straits now in you know the economic ter- territory because of this virus, and you hit it right on the head. And not only that. But you have a few other things kind of like, you know, when it rains, it pours type situation. So along the around the time that this was happening, I would say mid-February, the OPEC, um, you know, OPEC is the uh, conglomerate of countries that are major oil producing countries. And they kind of regulate the price by how much they output um, of barrels of oil. So... um, there was kind of a, in the Middle East, um, 
basically there was an extreme disruption in that by kind of flooding the market with oil. And the oil market has a lot to do with a whole bunch of stuff. And so along with the coronavirus um, outbreak and people being scared of that and being affected by um, change in consumer confidence in that, there was a double whammy of um, oil price disruption as well, which is tethered and tied to a lot of things, um, especially in the market. So, you know, along with there's multiple things to play, and that's why I wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, so back to the part of lack of kind of consumer, you know, consumption with no um, restaurants or no movie theaters, lack of travel, um, people working from home, um, things like that. You have obviously a turndown in, um, you know, economic activity. And the marginal propensity to consume is lower because you have less of an opportunity. So what happens as far as a reaction is the U.S. government, um, they start making movements to mitigate the impact of that. And so one of the movements was the decreasing of the interest rate. And so not like the interest rate was very high that the Fed had, but um, they decreased it down to zero again. So initially what that means is kind of... um, it's starting of loosening up the money supply to induce kind of loans and spending. Um, and so what that kind of affects is, is a whole bunch of things, actually. So you got to think about it this way. So if you think, let's go from a market perspective, as far as like the stock market even, because that's kind of a little bit easier to um, see. And then you can see the levers on top of that. Once the interest rates go down, that means if your money's in a savings account, or in bonds, it gets a less valuable. So you usually want to put that in stocks because they're granted they're more risky than those things, but they also will give you a much higher return relatively now that the interest rate is down. Um, and then also you got to think is that interest rates are down. That means inflation, like I mentioned before. So your money's being devalued more aggressively than it was before. So with all these things, there's, um, you know, what it eventually does is if you do enough uh, open market, uh, you know, operations, um, you'll see kind of the the stock market level out. And so that happened with, you know, with the lowering of the interest rate and then there's quantitative easing. So what that is, is also not to get too technical, but basically um, the Fed did a lot of movements that one I was impressed with because studying economics for a bit, I didn't think that they were capable of um, kind of the things that they were doing, but not only did they lower the interest rates, um, started quantitative easing, but they also started opening up kind of lines of credit or buying debt from corporations, which was extreme, Um, an extreme case because that's kind of bailing corporations out as far as giving them liquidity in this tough time. So, you know, let's give Ford, for instance, um, or a car car dealership. So they obviously have loans on their vehicles and they have to have income to pay, you know, their debt off every month with interest. And so the second that their liquidity dries up, they might be in a good position with kind of, it's not like their assets are devalued or anything, but they just don't have cash. So what that does is that now the Fed kind of induces that so that people can still live or businesses can still live with kind of now that there's liquidity in the market, thanks to the Fed. Um, 
So that actually, for a moment there, along with that and the U.S. economy inducing a stimulus package of, I think it was first $2 trillion, then when the unemployment rate numbers hit, it became $2.7 trillion. Um, so what that gave is a lot of government spending, so more creation of money, more inflation, um, but that means kind of keeping the economy afloat for a little bit longer. And obviously that also means that, you know, the good U.S. Americans, well, a lot of them get about $1,200 of, of income. Have you seen that, by the way, Julian? I haven't kept too close of a tab on that. Um, so to qualify for your stimulus, one-time stimulus payment, one-time, uh, of $1,200, you have to be a U.S. citizen, so you have to have a social security number, and you're either 2019, your most recent tax filing or return, so whether that was 2019 or you haven't yet and it's 2018, you have to make less than $75,000 a year to see the full 1200 and then that value diminishes up until 99000 a year. So just around a hundred K I believe, uh, is when you don't qualify for it. And then if you have a child under the age of or 16 or younger, or maybe 18 or younger, uh, you get $500 per child. However, if you are claim dependent on your tax return, so say you're a college student and your parents are still claiming you, you don't qualify for the $1,200, they will get $500. And then uh, as a married couple, I think it's a combined income of maybe 185000 is the top of the line where it gets cut off and then scales down from there. And then that would be deposited into your bank account on however you filed your tax return. So whether that's direct deposit or that is by mail uh, is how that would happen. And I believe they're going to try to get that rolling in the next few weeks or so. For right now, it's just one $1,200 payment, which uh, from the ground level, a lot of people are upset with because that may cover your rent in the Midwest, in Alabama. But if you're in New York, there's not a chance that that's going to help you out in the way that they're hoping to, or at least to put money back into the market um, to stay afloat or to help, you know, a local business or however that may be. Yeah. Uh, thanks for explaining that, by the way. I think that was really helpful. Um, and good point to make that, you know, $1,200 isn't just $1,200 everywhere. Um, that value fluctuates depending on where you're at and, you know, who you are. So um, another reason why that $1,200 was there also was um, due to the kind of, you know, like I mentioned, once the, you know, the unemployment rate numbers came out and this was unemployment rate numbers of two weeks ago, which would be late March. Um, initially, the kind of the projections were, I believe, around 160000 or so, um, and it was just a little bit high, just a tiny, just a tiny bit higher than that, with about 3.3 million unemployed people. Um, and you got to understand too, this was pre kind of, this was around like quite scary times where, um, you have people, um, 
being furloughed and uh, also fired or laid off uh, due to kind of expecting of really, really tough times. Um, And usually employment is kind of one of those indicators that are lagging. So either when things are going really good, it takes about a month or two before people say, okay, wow, so I can expect this for a while. Um, Let me hire somebody because I'm growing. Um, And also on the downside, so let me lay somebody off because I, you know, things are slowing down and I can tell it's been a couple months. But to have something so abrupt, it's it's a, you know, an interesting characteristic. Um, and I think it's due to the to the probably the unique circumstances. Um, so not only does that, um, you know, increase the kind of the lack of consumption as well due to people not having Real an quick income. Too, I think the updated number for this week was six it doubled i think it's at 6.6 million files yeah that is correct (laughs) that is correct so um that that was something i was going to get to too but what i was going to say is that i was talking to people and i was you know it seems like a classic setting up of something called stagflation so now here's at the point where all the listeners should peek their ears up because you're going to learn probably a $5 word. You're going to look pretty smart depending on who you talk to about this. And, um, you could walk away with kind of understanding something that economists might say, and you'll be like, what the hell was that? So there's a term called stagflation and it's when there's a high unemployment rate and a high inflation rate. And so usually Um, One or the other is not good, but both together is actually quite uh, quite a bad, quite a bad uh, time at the party. So the reason why is because, (laughs) yeah, yeah, quite a doozy. Um, That's the technical terms that we're talking. (laughs) Two and a half doozy loads. (laughs) Um, So basically what that means is that the, you know, usually when there is high unemployment, what you do is you know, spur on the economy by doing expansionary spending, um, which would be like government spending, kind of what the Fed's doing, lowering the interest rates so that money starts circulating and business starts going. Um, But when it's both happening, so high inflation and unemployment, what that means is that all the moves that the Fed has to work with um, to kind of keep the unemployment rate low, which is one of their jobs, and inflation under or like prices stable, which means inflation stable, go out the window. So um, it basically happens when um, a country's ability to kind of produce gets drastically cut for some reason. And in this case, it's because of a virus. Um, so it gives us really interesting times and, you know, not only is this mean that, you know, lack of consumption, I mean, imagine this on a normal expectation. So imagine this on like 2009 scales where um, there's not a virus that caused this. It was just bad debt. Um, but guess what? All this time too in this bull market. Um, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm just introducing another bad guy out of nowhere who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, along this time, big corporations were buying or getting more and more leveraged. And so what that means is that they were, uh, more and more in debt. And so 
imagine now when the economy was going good and they could pay their bills because the economy's killing it. Um, now when everything shuts down really fast, that lack of liquidity is something that is so fear inducing. That's how they cut so many people so quickly. Um, so that's another thing to play is that now that you have these big corporations um, having a lot of debt and it's it's similar to the the 09 debt, I think, in disguise, where um, now it's not mortgage backed securities and the banks are doing it. It's the overlooked sneaky debt. So, you know, business debt has never looked at as being bad because usually when businesses are in debt, it means they're doing something expansionary, either with acquisitions, R&D, um, you know, some sort of transformational work. But now, um, you know, I think it's classic analogy for me, or I guess not. Maybe it's not classic analogy, but it's a this analogy where, you know, the party was going so good. Um, people were having such a good time that people didn't realize that the party was going to end. So when the lights turn on, you see Steve, um, you see Joe and Mike with without shirts or pants. And you're like, dude, you, you came in with shirts and pants. <laughs> I know you came in with shirts and pants. What happened to them? Uh, they said, oh, you know what, man? We're having such a good time that I didn't think the lights were going to come on anytime soon. This is what it's like. And I know that sounds like a silly analogy, um, and it is. But I think it's one of those that is, is really, really poignant in this time where businesses were negligent in the fact that there could be a turn down um, and they were getting greedy, um, you know, button by button, zip by zip. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, one thing to go to a party prepared and be able to leave with your clothes on. Right. But if you get caught ass naked at this party, you're not in a good spot. And obviously Jordan mentioned the bull market. So the opposite end of that is when your market starts declining, you know, 20% or so, and you start hitting a bear market, uh, and that's kind of the two sides rise and fall, right? You're in a bear market of some sorts. Um, and that can be very treacherous to, especially the, depending on the phase. And right now things are, are really unknown, um, still, even though we're three weeks, four weeks in to what the outcome will be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's official. We're in a bear market. So the, we had, you know, good, a good market for about a week. And I think we had the best, the best, um, week that the stock market has had since like 1918 or 19 since the 1931, maybe, um, this last week. And then we just got kind of tore up tore well, not tore up, but didn't do very good and was flat and then ended this week of uh, April 3rd. So it's, um, you know, we, we have a long ways to go. We're in a recession, I believe we're in an economic downturn. Um, and we're kind of set up because we were running so hot and because the party was so good. Um, we're, we're going to have to like sober up really quick because usually sometimes companies will expect this economies will expect this and we'll be dancing closer to the door, knowing that the party's going to be over. We were all inside moshing. And the party lights came on and it's like, oh, shoot, this is, you know, we weren't prepared for this. But the important thing is that regardless of what's going to be happening, um, the important thing is to protect human beings and people. So, you know, regardless of 
like how the economy is doing. It's how the people are doing and consumer confidence is down. People are scared. That makes total sense. Um, but it means that we're also taking it seriously, which is, which is a good thing as well. You got to be, you know, think about the pros and cons of this. Were you going to say something, Julian? Yeah. The the one thing I was going to say is, uh, in terms of, you know, it's some people are, are going to believe that, you know, as soon as the coronavirus is vanquished, uh, things are going to go back to normal. And I think if you look at the way things have gone so far, um, in terms of getting money back into the market, people getting jobs again, it's going to take a bit longer than I think people are expecting because right now, right, you get a $1,200 stimulus check. Um, that's going to help you out in some regards, right? $1,200 is $1,200. It's going to help you. Um, but you know, if you still have to pay rent for the next two and a half months and you're unemployed, um, or, you know, no one's ever stress tested an unemployment benefits for 7 billion people or 7 million people. Um, and even once the economy, you know, jobs start opening up again, people are going to be, as Jordan said, you know, not on a, a business level, but on a personal level, right? People's credit cards debt is going to rise. It's going to take you a while to get money. Yep. Student loan debt, that freeze is going to, you're going to start making those payments again, even though it's frozen right now. Um, all of those things are going to change drastically. And so you got to think if you were unemployed now, um, and you don't have any money and you have a bunch of debt, when the coronavirus opens up, you probably aren't going to go, you know, stride into helping services or a retail sector. It's going to go directly into you fighting off debt and into your landlord. So to push the economy and consumer confidence back to where it was, is going to take uh, a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing too, that I think is going to be one thing that I'm going to look back on when I'm old to kind of, I'm curious, I'm very curious. And I would study this time is that, so usually we would be doing the right thing if it's a normal economy, if the world was normal and it was just an economic downturn that we were due, we were due one of these. Um, now that it's not, do the same rules apply? Does stimulating the economy work when people shouldn't be around people? You know what I mean? So does inducing people to spend work when you want to be farthest away from people as possible for your own health? Those are the things that I'm going to be curious about. Um, and I hope you're curious about too, um, because it will affect all of us, regardless of you don't get sick and you don't know anybody who's gotten sick, which, you know, good luck to you. I hope that's the case. And, you know, I hope this minimizes the impact on your life as small as possible. Um, what won't is you will feel impacted by the economics of this. Um, so I think that that's something worthy to look into in that, you know, this will be, this will be a mat. you know, we're living history right now. So, just remember when things are going crazy and things are going on, um, that this hasn't, this hasn't been done before. And I don't think it's ever rhymed. I say, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. I'm not sure if this had a rhyme, this might be orange or purple. <laughs> yeah. I think on a global scale, yeah, we've never seen it before. Um, I think, you know, if you can do your best to keep your, your head above the water and you know, understanding what's going on during these times, it's going to better help you 
from a, a personal level, or even if you own a business, a small business, medium, a large business, um, for in the future, if this were to occur again, that when the lights turn on, you aren't missing your clothes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not only is that corporations, it's us as people, um, you know, we got to be a little bit more responsible with our debt. But once again, let's make this an experience that we learned from and we think back and say, wow, remember when we, you know, like imagine if I knew what I knew now, then that's what I want to say. And that's what I want to think about coming to the future. But um, I hope you guys learned a lot about this podcast. It's, you know, it can be a little bit ascetic and high minded and high frequency when you think about all those moving parts. But please don't get intimidated. Um, it's, it's something that's extremely important to know um, as kind of a functioning adult or going to be an adult. And um, it'll only help you. You know, I think ignorance is life threatening. Um but knowledge is life-saving. So um, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you made it this far, please don't be afraid to like, comment, subscribe. Um, oop, that was just a <laughs> YouTube for some reason just slipped out of there. But still factors apply. You know, subscribe, reach out to us, message us. Um, any sort of interaction or encouragement or even letting a friend know um, if you really like what we do, um, that is so greatly appreciated because it helps us kind of keep the show on the road and give you guys the best that we got every week. So, you know, I love and appreciate you guys. Um, Julian, do you have any parting words for these gorgeous, beautiful people that we were just talking to? <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. You know, enjoy what you can while you can um you know reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while um you know this is a you know you're not alone in all of this it's a it's a global thing and everyone's working through it by no means is that downgrading your situation but uh you know maybe reaching out and talking to someone may help in ways you might not expect and we appreciate you for just taking the time to you know sit down or work out for 30 minutes 35 minutes to listen to this and we hope to catch you guys next week absolutely one last parting thing please follow the quarantine rules um but after that have a blast all right guys <laughs> talk to you later <laughs> <laughs>